You are listening to a Laison Lumineur podcast. Hello, this is Sandra Hindman, founder and president of Laison Lumineur. We specialize in manuscripts, miniatures, historic jewelry, and other small-scale works of art from the Middle Ages and the Renaissance. This occasional series records our lectures and gallery talks, insights from new publications, and interviews with collectors and scholars. Our aim is to offer an ever-wider public tools for learning about the diversity of our activities and the breadth of our interests. Welcome, and please enjoy today's podcast. Okay, this is Sandra Hindman of Laison Lumineur, and I'm here at uh, TEFAF, the European Fine Arts Fair in Maastricht, on the first public day, March 7th. And I'm here with two very well-known and interesting scholars, Dominique van Weinsberg of the Royal Institute for Cultural Heritage and Liva de Kiesel of Ghent University. We've taken this opportunity to come together for a conversation. Hello, Dominique. Hello. Uh, Leva, um, in the wake of or presence of not just the Fine Arts Fair here in Maastricht, but also the extraordinary exhibition in Ghent going on now of the Ghent altarpiece and other Van Eyck panels and manuscripts. But of course, I'm a manuscript scholar and dealer. And so my interest is Jan van Eyck and manuscript illumination. And these two individuals are the authors of two really excellent chapters in a monumental book on uh, van Eyck and optical revolution. But first I wanted to say um, just a few things like, the book says things like, um, Dominique, Jan van Eyck has never not been famous. This is Larry Silver saying that. Do you agree? Yes, I think so. If you look at uh, the historiography, he's always present. Yeah, yeah. And it goes on um, to say he is a um, hero of modernity in the pictorial narrative and the most gifted painter of all time. Now, we, of course, are scholars of early Netherlandish painting and manuscripts, so we know who Jan van Eyck is, but maybe some of our podcast listeners don't know. Who is Jan van Eyck? Maybe I'll ask you, Dominique. Um, oh, yes. Who is, it? you have to tell some interested art person, but not a specialist. Who is Jan van Eyck? What, what's the big deal? Yes. First of all, I think he's a genius. Uh, well, there, that's... Genius of painting, someone who will change uh, Western painting forever. But the, the interesting thing is that he was born near here, near Maastricht, 30 kilometers from Maastricht, right. north of Maastricht. Right. So in this region, which is not particularly known for its painters or artists. So this is a, already a mystery. And in the 15th century, we're talking about. Yes, so we're talking about the 15th century. He dies yeah. in 1441. Yes, that's it. And uh, he was born here somewhere uh, at the beginning of the 15th, uh, 15th century. And very soon, probably because he was a very gifted artist, he went to work for uh, John of Bavaria. John of Bavaria was a very important person. He was bishop 
Prince Bishop of Liège, and Van Eyck went to work for him at The Hague, so at the court of John of Bavaria. Right, the court when, for yeah. the Netherlands, yeah. And when uh, John died, then uh, six, weeks, six months after that, he went to work for the, one of the most powerful uh, people in the, at the time, the Duke Philip the Good, who was the Grand Duc d'Occident, the great Duke of the Western world, so for a very uh, powerful man. And he probably moved to Bruges, and then from Flanders, then he uh, worked for all these important people that you can discover, the Ghent exhibition, not only the, the court of Burgundy, but also uh, citizens of Bruges. So Van Eyck comes from nowhere, basically. That's and uh, the big mystery, yeah, yes. And, um, and works for some of the greatest patrons mm. of the 15th century. And we're talking about Van Eyck and manuscript illumination, but most people know him as a great painter. Um, what's the big deal with Van Eyck and manuscript illumination? Um, was Leva, why don't I ask you, was he an illuminator? This is a question. Still, isn't it? Yes, it is. I know it's not the subject of your essay. You, you take it for granted that he's a manuscript illuminator and go on from there, but um, why don't you tell us a little bit about Jan van Eyck and manuscript illumination? Well, I, I think that the uh, miniature now shown in the exhibition with the birth of St. John and um, that especially the initial showing uh, God the Father and the Badapage uh, uh, illumination, that these two are most convincing to be by Van Eyck himself. So we're talking just for our listeners who may not know the birth of St. John, we're talking about a page from the very famous Jan van Eyck or Eyckian manuscript, the Turin Milan yes, Hours. indeed. And this is a kind of pivotal work. And it's in, I just was amazed, it's in the exhibition. I was so excited to see it. Mm -hmm. So let's consider a little bit then the Turin Milan hours. I mean, whether Jan van Eyck was an illuminator, I guess rests partly not just on documentary evidence. We, we, we don't have many documents. In fact, we have one document saying, I think, in, 1338, so at the end of his life, three years before he dies, that he pays someone, a Bruges illuminator, a certain Jean Crève, uh, for miniatures made for the Duke of Burgundy. So that's the only uh, thing so we, we know. Only you know have he's this not even the, the illuminator, he's a, a go between between right, the Duke right. and an illuminator. Right. But we have uh, later on, eight years later, a uh, testimony of a, uh, an Italian humanist. Pietro Sumonte, who says that he started his career as an illuminator. Right. But this is a late uh, A late reference, uh, yes, yes. We don't know for sure. If you just start from If text, you just go from the documents. documents you cannot uh, say that. But it's a very attractive hypothesis anyway. And for a hundred years, at least, that hypothesis has turned around this one monument, the so-called Turin-Milan Hours which even as a student I found like so confusing. It's like, uh, can you tell us what is the Turin Milan hours? Because um, yes. it's, it's going to be key to our little conversation yeah. here. Yes. So it's very complex manuscript indeed. Uh, it was probably commissioned for Jean, Duke of Berry, so the great bibliophile, the French bibliophile. Uh, the patron of the Limburg brothers, another the equivalent. Of the, brothers, the brother of uh, the King Charles V, 
was also a great bibliophile, so it's a, it's a whole world of bibliophiles, book lovers. So it originates in Paris, so what does it have to do with Van Eyck then? Yes, so the book was first commissioned uh, for him, but that was a huge project, megalomaniac project, so uh, a manuscript of 700 pages, can you imagine? With uh, almost 100 pages, half of page pictures. miniatures, initial and a bad page. So gigantic project. Right. So at some point, probably they decided to stop it and they cut the book Just in two Just too big parts. a project. Too big, too big. They cut the book in two parts. The first part was what we would call a, a book of hours and that part was finished. So they bound that part and it stayed in France with Jean de Berry. It's mentioned in one of his inventories as the right. très, the, the très Bazel de Notre Dame. And the second part was left unfinished and arrived at some point uh, in the Low Countries. So it was completed in the Low Countries over a period of almost 40 years. But uh, then it, it, it was... How did it, it get this name? The Turin Milan Yes, hours. that's exactly... Uh, yes. So this part that was in the Low Countries showed up in Italy a few and years later. And also got divided into two, if I understand. Yes, uh, and in Italy it was divided into two parts. One part was kept in the, 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 the library of Turin until the fire of the library, 1904. And the second part was first in a, the noble uh, Italian family, the Trigulzio, and was acquired by the Museo Civico in uh, Turin. So what, what we have left of this gigantic manuscript, I mean the second part, the part made in the Low Countries, we have photos of the, the first part, the part that burned in 1904, that were published in the facsimile. We have the, the Turin uh, part, and it's, this is magnificent, and you can access to the high-res scans of this part. Yes, I was going to mention that. Yes, now they the, have the very, the Manic, very good scans yes, for all of those. And you also have uh, a few leaves that, yes, that were lost. Uh, some of them are kept in the Louvre. And uh, 20 years ago, or 10 years ago, I don't remember exactly, uh, one leaf was found on the market. Right. Was acquired by the, the, the Getty Museum and is now in a private collection. Right. So uh, we still have hoped, and we, we could hope that of the more of the, the, the leaves could show up. So that's very exciting. Okay, so now our, our listeners understand what the Turin Milan hours. Leva, you had something you wanted to add though about it. Yes, uh, returning to the question, uh, whether Jan van Eyck may have been uh, illuminator in that particular book of hours. Remarkable is that only the few illuminations attributed to Jan van Eyck, not well visible in the, in the photographs of the burned part, of course, but still in the existing part, is that these illuminations show another type of outlining around the miniature. And this type of outlining, hardly noticeable and much overlooked uh, shows a an instance of the light coming top left in most uh, when mm, a painter I created see. an illumination light comes from top left and this creation of an illusion of a cast shadow thrown by the border is painted exactly around these illuminations and, and not it's around what the occurs others. in his paintings too isn't it the, and it's and that's how his paintings his panel yes. paintings are too Indeed. with this kind of yes. with the same light system yes. so that's a very good argument of Another course for likelihood why he may have been an illuminator also is that uh, it is more and more known from research that panel painters were often also illuminator we have the case of petrus 
Christus, uh, another uh, illumination and, and manuscript in the exhibition is the hours of Paul van Overtveld. And again, this only miniature attributed to Petrus Christus in that book of hours is the only miniature which has again kind of an illusionistic hmm. uh, border around the illumination. Interesting, yeah, yeah. Well, I want to come back to the Turin Milan hours and especially its influence, and also, but also Dominique's very um, inventive theory or hypothesis about its origins and patronage. But I wanted to return to one point. We're going from early to late. I wanted to return to one point about how he comes from nowhere. There are these extraordinary pre-Ikean paintings uh, in fact, uh, not only did I see the um, Van Eyck show, but I was in the Meyer Vandenberg Museum and saw some of these very early panels, the Walters Meyer Vandenberg panels. And I wonder if you think that these, this kind of small group of early panels can be considered part of the origins of Van Eyck. Yes, I think it's very problematic. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, if you take the, the masterwork of the so-called pre-Ikean uh, painting, it's Melchior Broderland. So Dijon, and if you compare the, the two works very closely, then you, you must admit that there's a kind of quantum leap between uh, realism of Melchior Broderland and the realism and of Eyck. Bruderlam is still very much attached to what we call uh, art historians the international style. Uh, style made of uh, elegance, mm -hmm. grace, uh, linked to uh, the higher uh, layers of, of society. And very characteristic, for example, by its lavish use of gold. And that's what you find in Bruderlam. Uh, Van Eyck won't do that. He, mm -hmm. he would prefer realistic landscapes. Mm -hmm. So realistic that some people have tried to, to localize them. Mm. Uh, if you look at uh, the figure of the faces, uh, Van Eyck are, are almost photographic. Mm. Canon van der Paal, the, the famous painting in mm. the Bruges, well, uh, he's so known was, for studied his portraits. By, yeah, was studied by doctors who mm. could say the, this canon had this kind of disease. This How interesting. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yes. And uh, for example, he paints a, a rot on his cheek, uh, on his cheek, yes. Uh, right. So wrinkles and uh, everything. Mm -hmm. So the, these paintings are not at all photoshopped. Uh, Bruderlam is... Yeah, no. <laughs> they didn't have access to photoshopping, no. Not, no. not at that time. But Bruderlam is more abstract. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. An abstract painting, more in the, the style of the, the international Gothic. So something happened mm. at some mm -hmm. point. But it's difficult, of course, to accept that uh, some kind of miracle might have occurred. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't think that the pre can paves the way to Van Eyck, also because Van Eyck comes for the, for, from this other region. He comes from uh, the Mosan region, from right. the region of the Meuse, mm -hmm. so east of Belgium. Whereas uh, the pre Eikens, like Boudelam, comes from Flanders, from the, the, the western part of Belgium. Right, so which is pretty far away, it's actually. I mean, you know, for that time yeah. period, it's, you know, a light year of distance, yeah. um, a quantum leap, as we might say. So there still is, remains, this one mystery. I'm going to get to the, the sort of um, Van Eyck over the 15th century in a minute. But I do want to say, I mean, your essay was extremely interesting, Dominique, because it sort of took back to point zero this division of hands that people have gone on and on about that I learned as a student 40 or 50 years ago that have been in the literature for 100 years. 
and focused in on a kind of revisionist look at who might the patron have been. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, in a way that maybe our audience, a general audience, can understand, can you explain to us, you know, why it's important, what you've, what your hypothesis is? Because yes. it is important. It's important for whether Van Eyck really participated yep. in this manuscript Absolutely. or not and at what point in his career too. Absolutely, the datation is of course one of the most important problems. Now, uh, in fact when I was asked to write this essay, uh, I wanted to react as a, a specialist of books of ours. So not read too much literature, I knew that was very complex, uh, I also right. he heard that in my courses. The first thing you would do as a specialist of book of hours is to, to you cannot resist the temptation to look at the calendar. The calendar, right. And because when I looked at the calendar, it was pretty obvious to me that it was made for Hainaut. So this uh, region near Flanders, in the, the, the French-speaking part of currently Belgium and France. And uh, yes, I was quite puzzled by that. I could not make sense of Van Eyck working in Bruges, the calendar, Hainaut. And then when you look at one of the, 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 the pivotal pictures, it's this picture showing the prayer on the shore. So, uh, and it has a coat of arms in it, isn't that right? Absolutely. You see, Which I, other I, people I, have noticed, of oh, course. Absolutely, yes, they've known that. So it's a prince on a horseback, he's praying to God, and he's accompanied by a retinue of uh, riders. And one of them has a, a flag with the arms of Hainaut, Holland, Zeeland, and Bavaria. The prince himself has the color of the order of St. Anthony, which is a typical Hainaut uh, order. Mm -hmm. Chivalry holder. So the problem is I realized that the, the, the research was at the dead hand because people thought that this, this prince was actually the commissioner of the painting. And I started asking myself what if the person on the horse is not the commissioner of the right. manuscript and what if uh, the commissioner has a strong link with Hainaut. Right. Uh, when you look at, when, when you think that the, the owner, the commissioner was a man, that there are only two candidates, or, uh, either uh, William of Bavaria or his brother, uh, John of Bavaria, who was a bishop of Liège. But these hypotheses are not really satisfactory. Uh, there are people believing it's William, other people believing it's John, and they have good arguments and bad arguments. And I said, if this person is uh, really linked to Hainaut, there could be another solution. Maybe it's not William, but maybe it's William's wife, right. Margaret of mm -hmm. Burgundy. And she was a very important person. She was the daughter of uh, Philip de Bolt, the Duke of Burgundy. So and let's remember, too, that not always, but books of ours are many, many, many times commissioned by, owned by, used by women. Um, oh, yes, absolutely. So it, then I pursue this, this, uh, this track, uh, Margaret. This is where uh, manuscripts uh, come in handy. They, they can help us to solve uh, big uh, art historical problems. It happens lots of time. Uh, and in this case, uh, I found a, a manuscript probably made for someone of the entourage of, uh, of Margaret of Burgundy, a Heno manuscript that in my view uh, reflects the, the miniature of the prayer on the shore. So it could be an indication, I'm very cautious of course, that this illuminator from the 20, uh, 1420s had actually seen uh, the miniature of the, in the Turin Milan hours. 
And if I understand this right, um, this also play, this fundamentally relates to the dating of the manuscript, yes. and it solves a kind of problem that there has been in the Turin Milan hours that it is actually late-ish in Jan van Eyck's yes, career, yeah. not at the beginning. Yes, if, if your theory, pairs, so the mm -hmm. people who believe it's. Uh, it was made by Van Eyck when he was working, of course, for John of Bavaria. Mm -hmm. And actually, people who believe that think that John is a person on the horseback. Right. And there are others who look closely at the painting and understand their arguments. Uh, if you look closely, if you blow up the images, that they are not satisfied with the quality of the, of the, the painting of mm -hmm. the brushwork. Mm -hmm. And in this case, they would tend to say it's uh, either very early Van Eyck, right. other post Eichen made after mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm, Jan van Eyck. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's difficult to, to find a balance between right. these two. But I think we all accept here, I mean, I, I hope I'm not putting words into your mouth, I think we all accept that we think that one of the hands in the Turin Milan hours is van Eyck. Is this, am I, rep or you're not so sure? No, I'm, not, I'm not so sure about oh, that. Oh, really? Why but I, you think it is? Yeah. It may be for the Badapage and the initial O, himself or an, an artist who was very skillful and maybe working closely together with Van Eyck and that it was indeed... But who doesn't occur anywhere else but in those scenes in the Turin Milan hours? That seems no. exceptional. You also have this uh, Cité de Dieu in Brussels yeah. uh, with these wonderful miniatures by uh, someone who must be a follower because the manuscript yeah. is dated 1445. Right, right. So... Still, I, I mean, it's an extraordinary yeah. body, small body know, of yeah. work yeah. for someone who also might be close to genius level yeah. in the art of illumination. I, I expect, in fact, a lot from the re-examination of these, these fantastic scans, high-res scans. Yes, because, yes. Um, which everyone can look at, by the way. Absolutely. You know, they're you look, all uh, available now it. online. It's, uh, the, the website Closer to Van Eyck, and it's uh, hosted by um, the institute where, where I'm working, the Royal mm -hmm. Institute for Cultural Heritage. So I invite uh, all the yeah. listeners to, to go everyone and look and make, uh, make their own, own right, judgment. Yeah. Right into us, Van Eyck or not Van yeah, Eyck. Yeah, that's, that's a fascinating problem. Um, well, anyway, so I guess if we aren't saying that it is Van Eyck. We certainly believe they're Van Eyckian, and um, we certainly are in one voice as to the high quality and importance oh, yeah. of yep. the Vian Van Eyck quote-unquote illumination. Um, I want to turn a little bit to you, Leva, because you have written your essay, whereas Dominique's essay is really on a revision of the problem and on the patronage. Um, your essay is you know, on Jan van Eyck's um, influence, or the Eickian influence, on manuscript illumination for a century, actually for more than a century, since you go all the way up to kind of late-ish Simon Benning, who only died in 1561, 120 years after van Eyck. I think it's, and your, your artists are numerous, the Dunois master, the Bedford master, you start with the master of the Dresden prayer book, you have artists through you know, not just in Bruges, but in Paris and elsewhere through the century. But I wanted to ask you about how this could happen, that an artist's models have this strong an impact on, man, in your opinion, 
on manuscript illumination over this long a period? Is it models? Is it probably I mean, so? And the the first influence, the first and not long lasting, but still the, the the first influence is in the northern Netherlands with different artists in different regions and. Probably it was by models, by use of patterns. And a distinction may be made uh, when talking about influence of uh, work by Jan van Eyck in um, illuminations. Distinction between were they copying or were they uh, basing their, their compositions on just an, a small section of a creation by Van Eyck, or was it rather the, uh, the optical revolution that they were yeah. including in their work? And which do you think? Do so you think it Northern is the optical revolution in certain of these artists? Or for, the, for the Flemish artists, I believe most definitely, yes. But not for the but Dutch? Not for not, no, not for the Dutch uh, illumination, not necessarily for French or Italian either. And probably there they relied indeed on either model books. We know that they existed and they, some still survived. Um, it but is why, excuse me, why Northern Netherlands first? Um, do, did someone in the workshop take the model book with him to... Well, one of the artists who was also active in the Langetok uh, hours, uh, which is one of the three Aikian manuscripts, there is the Cité de Dieu just mentioned by Dominique, uh, made for Jean Chevreau. Uh, there is the Langetok Book of Hours. Which is in the Getty. In the Getty, mm -hmm. indeed, with the principal artist, master of the Langetok Hours. And one of the most famous miniatures in that Book of Hours is an Annunciation. And the entire miniature is illuminated by the master of the Langetok Hours, except for the face and the hands of the Virgin, which are attributed to Willem Vreeland. Now, this artist comes actually from the Northern Netherlands. He was probably from the region of Utrecht and came and worked in Bruges. He comes to, in to 1451, he comes yes. to Bruges, yes. yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think it's so interesting, though, that you, you have distinguished between these copies from models or, or sections of um, faces or figures or compositions and the optical revolution. Why don't you say a few words about which artists you think in which Flemish illuminators you think participate or continue this optical revolution? Uh. I think starting actually with Leven van Latem and the following generations, they gradually introduce the use of uh, a cast shadow more and more, and this is visible throughout the illuminations and then also eventually in the border decorations, mm. not necessarily executed by these artists themselves. As but occurred in the Turin yes. Milan, those yes. um, special pages Indeed. of the Turin Milan yes. hours, yeah. Yeah. Yes, interesting is that for the central panel of the Ghent altarpiece with the adoration of the lamb, that this is often repeated uh, in work by Flemish artists, by Leven van Latem in two books of ours, in some uh, illuminations by the master of the Dresden prayer book, and then in a, in a fabulous, brilliant way in the Spinola hours, another manuscript of the Getty Museum, which is uh, in part illuminated by uh, the master of James IV of Scotland. And this particular miniature is by him, and it shows a brilliant interpretation 
of the central panel. And I believe that by doing this, by seeing this in the work of the Flemish artist, this gives an idea of how influential the work of Van Eyck was, the real work, not necessarily models, but the real altarpiece. Right, which was actually Absolutely. everybody could yes. see every everybody day. Everybody could see 24 panels. Uh, well, maybe not every during weekdays closed, right, the outer right. panels, and then on, on a Sunday they could see the opened altarpiece. And for those of you listening to us who don't know, of course, the um, impetus really for this incredible Van Eyck show is the restoration of the Ghent altarpiece, of which um, many of the panels are in the exhibition itself, although the lamb with its restored eyes is in um, St. Bavos. So it's probably the last time in certainly our lifetime, maybe our um, daughters and sons lifetime that these paintings will all be brought together in one place for us to see. So anyway, I mean, this is an exceptional occasion for um, painting, viewing of paintings too. But I, I think that that's interesting that the sort of optical aspect of his tradition can be tied partly to the direct access to his paintings, which they didn't have in France or in the North Netherlands as much. I had another question that occurred to me. Maybe you've already answered it by talking about they can see the Ghent altarpiece. Do you think that these painters for this, and Dominique, you, you might have an opinion on this too, for this 120 years, especially the Flemish painters, do you think they were paying tribute consciously to Van Eyck or they're craftsmen and artisans and they're just using these models? Is this a tribute to the you called him a genius, and other people have too, or the common currency of artistic vocabulary. Which do you think? I think in some cases it's very obvious. For example, you have a, a work by Vreeland, so Rouge. Willem Vreeland, the artist Vreeland, we talked about. Where you see a depiction of Arnolfini. Arnolfini was a very private painting. What, what does he do in this miniature? Miniature mm -hmm. of, uh, I, I think it's a golden legend, so uh, the, the I see. martyrdom of a saint. Right. I think the only possibility is to explain it by saying it's a, some kind of Right, tribute. I'm here. Tribute. I'm here in yeah. his town. And in I his saw this town. painting, and I'm in this town, and mm -hmm. it is a Bruce painting, something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. I, I cannot, I cannot explain it Otherwise. any other way. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Yes, and the combination of the, the, the miniature I just talked about of the Annunciation in the Langatok book of ours is actually a combination of the posture, the gesture of the figures of uh, the Washington panel by Van Eyck. Which was also a private panel. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes, and there's also more to that. It's not a complex problem, it's Hubert. Yes, uh, we haven't of, mentioned, yeah, like, uh, we we haven't mention <laughs> that. But I would just say this, that the, the tomb of Hubert some, some people said that Hubert never existed, but his tomb, which is still preserved in Ghent, is represented in one miniature. Again um, in the Spinola hours. In the Spinola hours. Again by so the So this okay. is the, the yes. best kind of tribute you, could, you can pay to an artist. It means that Hubert was buried in the main church of Ghent, and that the, so someone like Benning, who was also a genius, by the way, <laughs> uh, wanted to pay him a, a tribute. Yes.
How interesting, yes. So um, there's a con, I mean, I think you're saying there is a conscious tribute all the way up to Simon Benning. I mean, Van Eyck's been dead for, yes. you know, uh, 80 years in yes. the beginning of Simon Benning's career. Because although it 60. was said that the, and, and this is, this is uh, surely true, that the, um, in the BT Rosarium kept in Dublin, one of the illuminations by Simon Benning is a virgin and child in close-up. Oh, it's um, the one you illustrate in the catalog. It's yes, a spectacular indeed. miniature. It is, yes. absolutely. Um, and this is based not on the painting by Van Eyck in Berlin uh, itself, but probably on the work by the master, attributed to the master of 1499 with the same composition. But then on the other hand, an, an, an interesting feature is that Simon Benning uses the colors explicitly in this miniature of the BT Rosarium. He uses the color of the daisies in the Ghent altarpiece, the blue, the blue mm -hmm. of the Virgin, the red of God the Father, the green of uh, St. John the Baptist in his creation of the Virgin and Child. Another tribute to two paintings mm -hmm. by Van Eyck. Mm -hmm. And Benning is a very, um, I agree, he's a genius too. Um, I mean, but Benning's also a very self-conscious artist, probably more than we actually know and believe. I mean, Benning needs to be worked on right now more, but these self-portraits at the end of his career, are they, it's very unusual. And is he St. Luke painting the Virgin or is he a kind of a Pelles? So I think it's interesting, the um, heritage of Van Eyck and extraordinary how many artists, I mean, your I mean, your essay is um, profusely illustrated, but your footnotes are more profuse. So if we go to every example that is cited in your footnotes, it's really, really, uh, I mean, a book in itself on the Van Eyck um, influence. Well, we mentioned Hubert. I mean, what do you think Hubert is in, the Turin Milan hours then? I have no idea about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, was very convenient for Hulin Delot to make, make a distinction. That was another of the big problems, as I said. What did actually Hubert do in the Ghent altarpiece? We know that Jan completed the painting, but what was the part of Hubert? So that question has been nagging. Uh, they, they have been uh, quite embarrassed with this question. So they wanted to find a solution in the uh, in at the yes. end of the 19th century. Yeah. And the, the, the Turin Milanovas came in very handy because yes. uh, they could make a distinction between two different Aiken uh, hands. And they said the one is Hubert, the other one is Yan. So very right. convenient. But very soon, at the beginning of the 20th century, someone like Friedlander, Max Friedlander, the, the, the great connoisseur of uh, 15th century Flemish painting, uh, said, no, 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 this first hand is Jan, and the second hand is a post Aikian. Is post Aikian, right, which is what most people now accept. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, um, the catalog is dense, and there are many, many essays in it. I think I quoted Larry Silver at the beginning saying, Jan van Eyck has never not been famous. <laughs> but um, there's another essay, one by Till Holger Boschert, who says, and this was interesting, and I wonder if you have a comment on this, that although there's a repertory of Eichian pictorial inventions, there is no Jan van Eyck school of painting, unlike someone like Roger van der Weyden, 
maybe is it because he's a genius? Like there's no school, there's no Limburg school of painting either. Is it that he's a genius? Is it that he's a court painter and so he's really working in a different way from the artisanal way of someone like Willem Vreeland or, you know, the Bedford Master. So he and Jan van Eyck and the Limburgs are exceptional in the way they work. So I don't know, I, I thought that, is there, and there's certainly an influence it, it of Jan van Eyck, acceptable. but is there a school of Eyckian painting, would you Not say? my knowledge. Uh, I think the, 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 the force of van der Weyden, why he was copied so much, is because he was, first of all, a designer. He designed this wonderful uh, descent of the cross in Madrid. Jan van Eyck, uh, uh, I mean, I sorry, mean, Roger uh, van, van der Weyden, we're talking about, right. So it was, yes, he was a designer of, uh, of extraordinary compositions. And they could be copied very easily. Oh, that's uh, an interesting um, so. view. Yeah. Uh, huh. So you will find, indeed, lots of copies of uh, Van der Weyden's composition. That are, of course, he had an enormous impact in Brussels. But I think that you're right. Uh, Van Eyck is inimitable. It's, uh, it's the only one Van Eyck. I mean, this is kind of Till's um, yeah, presentation so, yes. and, and his contribution to the catalog. Whereas um, Van der Weyden can be copied in some way. Uh, right, right. We, of course, have this manuscript, which you looked at um, in detail um, yesterday, that is full of Ikean, but Ikean optical contributions or Ikean models, or, I mean, it's a good example to talk yes. about. It's I within a decade rather, of... As it is quite early, that manuscript, and it comes very close to artists uh, working soon after or maybe at one point together with Even Jan there. van Eyck. Mm -hmm. uh, it is maybe at this point still rather uh, the compositions that recur and not so much at this point already the mm -hmm. optical mm -hmm. uh, aspect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Petrus Christus is interesting because he's sort of an artist with a dead end. I mean, here he is, he, I guess he works in the workshop. I mean, I guess that's what we think. We have no real documentary evidence for that. But there's no, I mean, it sort of, it stops. Van Eyckian, Christusian, if you can call it that, models stop with the death of Petrus Christus. You can't really say that Memling is an Eyckian artist um, who's the follower of Petrus Christus in Bruges, right? No, but maybe it's a change of fashion. <laughs> I don't know exactly, uh, but it is true that there is at some point a break. Nobody wants to... Just emulate. not the right man at the right place to... Probably, yes. <laughs> right, right. Poor <laughs> woman. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you have other things that you um, want to add about Jan van Eyck and manuscript illumination? Do you want to explain once and for all als ich kann? as well as I can. Do you have views on that? It's kind of an extraordinary way to sign a painting. Uh, is that just, you know, the genius again coming out? A very modest genius. A very modest, <laughs> as well as I can. I'm so modest, um, but I'm putting my personal mark on it. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. I he put his name and uh, dates and uh, yes, on the frames of his painting. So that's not really modest. Yeah. I mean, maybe the next person like that in Northern Renaissance painting is someone like Albert Durer. Yeah, that's indeed. Yeah. Who is monogramming his works yes, and yes, dating yes, them yes. very, very self-consciously. Mm -hmm. We don't have many signatures in uh, no, no. 15th century uh, books. No, not at all. 
Well, um, do you have a favorite? You have a favorite part, a favorite miniature, a favorite part of the exhibit that you want to bring, Leva? You're. I can see you want to add something here. Oh, I think maybe uh, Simon Benning's illumination because it shows that it lasted so long the influence by um, Van Eyck and uh, also because we can zoom into the question was it only happening in Bruges? Bruges was a, a melting pot at some point certainly but it didn't it didn't all happen in Bruges it also happened in Ghent where uh, Hirat Hornboat was living was court painter to Margaret of Austria and whose work has been identified with that of the master of James Gore of Scotland, right. the artist we mentioned in the Spinola mm -hmm. Hours, mm -hmm. um, and who painted the, the tomb of well, Hubert Well, and of course, Ghent is where the altarpiece Absolutely. could be seen, so yes. it makes sense that there yes, would be the indeed. influence in Ghent, and then but not really in Antwerp. Um, yeah, well, as, uh, as early as in a manuscript discovered by uh, Christopher de Hamel, Simon Benning was active for a while in 1511 or around 1511 in Antwerp mm -hmm. for the mm -hmm. Imhof uh, prayer book. Right. So we have different centers and then there is Brussels, hard to pinpoint what was happening there at that moment or soon after uh, for uh, illumination, but it was certainly important too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And not to mention the influence of Van Eyck uh, in other countries like Spain. Uh, right, yeah. So yeah. Also mm -hmm. international, Spain, uh, Germany yeah. even. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I thank you very much. I encourage everyone to look at the website at the Turin Milan Hours. You can write in, as I said, do you think it's by Jan van Eyck or not? And if Ghent is not so far away for some people and far away for others, but it is a really unique opportunity to see this exhibition. And I'm so grateful to both of you for sharing your, your thoughts on the topic. So. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much. much. Most, most um, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. This has been a Les Lumineer podcast. Like the rest of the world, our physical spaces in Chicago, Paris, and New York are temporarily closed. However, we maintain an active online presence. Visit us on our website. LaisonLumineer.com. You can also find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We plan special weekly online initiatives starting with this podcast. And exceptionally, during this global health crisis, we are offering free online tutorials through Skype for collectors interested in eventually acquiring a book of hours. See you soon, that is, virtually. Thanks for listening.